I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. Welcome to another bonus episode of Proud Stutter. This one has two parts. First, I'll give a few updates about the show and season two. The second part will be a recap of National Stuttering Awareness Week, including a stripped down version of our panel discussion, Creating Safe Spaces for People Who Stutter. Quick reminder, everything we talk about in each episode of Proud Stutter can be found in the link in the show notes. Click it to find all the references, including books, films, anything mentioned during the show. If you love the show and want to join the Proud Stutter community on a more intimate level, join the Proud Stutter membership program. Members of the Proud Stutter membership get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, swag from our merch store, shout outs, and more. Not to mention, Proud Stutter is entirely an independent podcast. So if you like what you hear, and if you want to be part of making sure this show is in your ears for years to come, head to ko-fi.com slash proudstutter and join us. Thank you to some of our newest members of the membership program, Dustin Wells, Joshua Compton, and Lucy Reed. Thank you all so much. And thank you to everyone who is in the Proud Stutter membership program. And now let's get to today's bonus episode. So our first announcement is about season two. And I am so excited to officially announce the launch date for Proud Stutter season two. So we are launching season two right after the National Stuttering Association Conference. Our launch date is Friday, July 8th, 2022. And the theme for season two is transformative experiences. I will be joined by a different co-host who does not stutter for each episode to maintain the show's commitment to expanding allyship. There will be interviews with people who stutter and the transformative experiences That's the breakthroughs, the crises, transfiguration that have shaped their stuttering journey, the life-altering moments. If you are interested in being on the show or being a co-host, please email me at info at proudstutter.com. And that's it for the updates about the show for now. It's time to recap National Stuttering Awareness Week. I can't believe it's already been two weeks since um, that eventful week. Um, It was quite an exciting week. The celebration started the week before with a press conference with the Bay Area Stuttering Community and Supervisor Dean Preston and Raphael Mandelman of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors were in attendance. Dean, who helped us with our local resolution, spoke a few words. San Francisco is now one of the first cities in the country to pass a local resolution to recognize National Stuttering Awareness Week. The press conference was such a powerful experience. Being able to share the podium with my stuttering community in the Bay Area just felt, it's felt so amazing. 
And for many of us, it was the first time speaking openly about our stutter in such a public way. It was beautiful to see people sharing their stories. There were tears, there were laughs. Um, and it was just a very, really a very transformational experience for myself. More good news, the resolution ended up passing unanimously the following week during actual National Stuttering Awareness Week. And really, this is just getting me so excited to help other cities pass similar resolutions. Um, I'm already working with a few cities right now to try to get recognition for their communities. The next opportunity is International Stuttering Awareness Day. And that's every year on October 22nd. This year, it's going to be a Saturday. And the stuttering community in Denver, Colorado reached out. And now we're working on a local resolution for International Stuttering Awareness Day. If you are interested in doing something similar in your community, please email me at info at proudstutter.com and check out our show notes for all the amazing, awesome media coverage we got. So many articles around stuttering and lifting up the voices of people who stutter. So after the press conference, Proud Stutter hosted two events, including Stutter Trivia Night and a panel event featuring Miriam Elba and Mike Meany from season one of Proud Stutter and Dr. Rick Herder. The last part of this episode features a podcast version of the conversation, Creating Safe Spaces for People Who Stutter. The full conversation can be found on our YouTube page, Proud Stutter. So here we go. Let's dive in to our conversation. Can you describe your connection to stuttering? My connection to stuttering now is that I think I learn a lot of things from my stutter. Um, I think it teaches me to be uh, patient with myself. Um, If it, if it, if, if, um, if my um, uh, stutter is uh, severe in a particular um, uh, situation, um, I'm, 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 I've like learned to kind of give myself time when I um, uh, need it, both in my speech and kind of outside the um, uh, realm of my of 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 my um, uh, speech, um, and I think also as people who stutter, we have um, we have the chance to also be teachers in that way where we kind of, um, like have uh, like where, 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 like, where, like we might encourage others to be, um, a patient, like not just patient with us, but like, you know, to kind of slow down and take our time, um, like with our speech and also just with like everyday um, uh, routine things that might be similar to speech. Um, thanks a lot for your answer, uh, Miriam. Uh, and a lot of what you said resonates with me. I think um, my stutter uh, used to be much more pronounced um, and actually M's were the hardest sound for me to say. Uh, it's a Mike Meany is my name and that was really unlucky for school when I had to introduce myself every day, um, or at least at the start of the school year. Uh, It's quite mild now, um, 
And I'm not sure if it's mild because all of the techniques that I developed over the course of my life to hide my stutter are just so embedded and ingrained in how I think and operate. Um, you know, very small things like tapping my feet and flicking my hands and turning my head and all these little things that um, I used to unblock myself and, uh, you know, just learning a lot of words and sort of always having this like repository of phrases and different ways to say what I was going to say. Um, and it, it's, it's quite mild now. Um, but I, my connection to it is like, it's still a very core part of my identity. And like, in some ways I, I understand it as like a very central defining feature of who I am and like my life. I have taught public speaking in more or less, you know, a regular fashion for close to four decades. And for most of that time, seeing I was coaching, I was coaching high school speakers on the speech team. Um, I was occasionally te uh, teaching public speaking in my classes and then for about a decade, taught that as a big part of my load as a high school teacher. And through all of those years, teaching, uh, teaching students public speaking, I never had students who stuttered in my class. At least from my perspective, you know, I didn't have students who stuttered in my classroom. And other people with other professionals who were doing the same job reported similar things. Now, of course, over the years, I had an occasional student. I remember one student, my second or third year of speaking, whom we referred to a um, to the, the speech language pathologist on staff. And that student who to me seemed obviously to stutter came back and said, no, 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 they said, I don't have a stutter. And so I just had these really ambiguous, a few ambiguous, confusing experiences with it. And it's obvious now that a lot, that, that there were students in my classrooms who, classrooms who stuttered, but they were clearly hiding <laughs> in plain sight. And when Carl, my son Carl became a speech language pathologist, he now works for the American Institute of Stuttering and he's a board certified stuttering specialist. And when he, and, and as I began to learn alongside my son and he and I began to do some, some research on this and gather the stories of students who stuttered, what I came to realize <laughs> was that those students were there all the time. And when I started talking in my classrooms the first day about um, ADA accommodations and, and I talked to them about you know, just the, what stuttering is and, and said, and gave them some basic facts on it and said, you know, if you live with this, you know, please, you know, you don't have to hide in my classroom. We can talk about this and I'll, and I will um, do my best to make appropriate accommodations. And suddenly students started coming out of the woodwork. They started stepping out of the shadows. And there weren't a lot, but, you know, in terms of, um, but I think that probably every semester I would have a couple of students who would, who would step forward, which at a very small university, um, such as the one where I teach, um, that's a significant number. And I got to know a number of those students quite well. 
and we can talk more about um, some of the things that have have occurred in regard to making those accommodations. But I want to stress a couple of things. One is that on my campus, you know, in our Department of Communication or Pro Communication Studies program, rather, we put uh, a disability statement on all of our syllabi, and we make sure that students know that if if they are living with um, a stutter or any other disability, that they can go to disability services and request and, and request appropriate accommodations. But I'm really sad to report. I just double checked this afternoon just to make sure that I that I had this that that, the, that my information was up to date. But um, the National Communication Association is the professional organization um, to which people like me belong, people who study communication in general and people who teach public speaking. Uh, most of them are going to be members of the National Communication Association. And on their main website, they have a page where they offer um, representative syllabi from all of the various sub-disciplines. And so I looked again today and they had nine sample syllabi posted up there for public speaking. They had four sample syllabi up there for coursework for methodology courses for people who are planning um, to become language arts teachers and, and uh, be certified to teach public speaking on the secondary level. And of those nine syllabi that were, did my, my count right? No, 13 syllabi total. Um, of those 13 syllabi, not one included a disability statement. And so I'm very proud of my organization, of the organization to which I belong, the National Communication Association, for the leadership they have shown in any number of, uh, of areas in regard to human rights. Unfortunately, however, we're not doing, um, we're not showing leadership in this area. And there's a whole history um, to the relationship between speech language pathology and communication studies. And we can talk about a little bit of that if you're interested. But I will say that um, for our part, Carl and I have been doing some, some work and we're hoping to um, publish some things that might help to move our discipline along a little bit and help them to become aware of the need for um, training people who are going to be teaching public speaking and making appropriate accommodations for those who stutter. You know, like that really calls to mind a memory I have from college when um, I was, I got my minor in professional writing and part of that under the writing umbrella of programs that there was a public speaking class and um, it was with one of my favorite teachers and I was so excited for it. And at the last minute, I just decided I, I just dropped out because I, as much as I wanted to like learn how to become a public speaker and I love talking on a mic, like I've just, since I was little, I've just always had this like <laughs> urge to like grab a mic and start like singing or talking. And I'm just like, that that's always been something I just have, thrived for and I've had this like pull towards and so but then I just dropped out the last minute because I was like I don't want to put myself through two days a week to having to like go up in front of a crowd and like do a speech like that just seemed like 
torture in a way because I'd have to constantly just work extra hard to like make sure my stutter didn't come out. And so, and in hindsight, he would have been very understanding, but it's like, there's that step. I think that's missing that disconnect of like some, sometimes the, this, like, like if I would have seen something like either in a syllabus or something that would have made me feel more safe and comfortable, maybe I would have taken that class. And so, yeah, I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing, Rick. And there, there's just, I think there's a huge opportunity. Like I'm even thinking like a petition of some sort to, to like really try to get as many um, public speaking teachers as, as possible to like commit to having those statements. I did kind of want to talk more about um, the relationship between public speaking and being a person who stutter, because it definitely has a lot to do with this theme of safe spaces. And so, um, Mike, I want to I want to ask you, like, I know you've um, you've done a lot of public speaking. But what was so different about speaking at the the rally at City Hall last week for you? I think what was so powerful and so different about City Hall is that I've never shared the stage with other people who stuttered. Um, And like, it was really beautiful just to see everyone walk in and sort of own their 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 space and own their voice um and to know that like how they were going to speak was not going to be unusual and different from how other people were but it was going to be the norm um and I just it was just so inspiring to share and the courage of um of everyone who was there and then uh, to have a public leader like Dean Preston and others there in support. Uh, I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, I've, I've never experienced something like that. And um, yeah, it just, it, it's hard to express how meaningful it is. And it's like the podium and the microphone are like the things of nightmares for a stutterer right? Like, these are things that, like, you know, that's, like, the weird stuff that pops up in my dream still, right? It's, like, a microphone and a podium, and there we were, like, seven of us just, like, rocking it, and it was so cool, and I just, like, wish my, you know, second grade self, like, could have seen that, Um, so it was really special. Yeah, and and that's why I want as many people as possible. I know we're all at different stages in our journey and we're not all ready to like share our voices and that's totally okay. But just the experience of being up there as a person who stutters with others in the, the community, it really felt very safe up there because I, if I stuttered, it's okay. I had my community literally standing behind me. Like it was like this out of body experience. And I want other people to like tap into that power inside of them. And, you know, whether it's, it's, um, whether it's passing a local resolution in their community and using that as a way to like 
get up on the, the podium or, you know, telling your, your story, like in any medium, it's just like the most, um, it's a very powerful way to just heal, I think. Cause like, but at the same time, it's like, it took me 29 years to be at this moment. And I know not everyone is there and it takes time. And so I totally get that, but it's just like the feeling. I just, I, I hope everyone can experience it one day. Um, and I did want to um, open the space up to Patrick Manyboon. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's correct. Pretty much everybody, hello. My name is Patrick Manyboon, and I'm a business coach consultant. And talking about you know, having a safe space, public speaking is actually my safe space. And, you know, I bring a whole different approach to this because like you mentioned that each person is at a different stage. And mine was more of getting to the point where I just got completely fed up, you know, with going home each night and putting my head in my hand and be be embarrassed that I stuttered in front of somebody, I stuttered in front of this girl, or I stuttered in front of this person. And for some reason, one day, maybe 15, 16, some years ago, I made a decision that I was going to let somebody else worry more about my stuttering than I would do. And you know, I, you know, I don't know what happened, whether, you know, whatever your spiritual belief is, something happened, some kind of transformation happened, and my whole life just opened up, because it, it the, the way I approached it was more of like, you know, was like, you know, pretty much that I, I don't care anymore what, what you think. I'm going to be me. And since then, I got into Toastmasters, went to a speech contest, you know, against a guy who had been to the Toastmaster World Championship of Public Speaking three times. And I defeated the guy and came within one contest win of going to the World Championship. And then and I started to focus more on connection and confidence versus fluency. And that is where I, you know, to be honest with you guys, you know, I've been confused because it seemed that speech therapy focused so much on fluency, which I don't know if that's the point. Like in my mind, my goal is not to be fluent. My goal is to be confident and connect because if I didn't stutter, I still have those two things I have to work through. And then with the fluency, I'm in a group with nice people having a conversation and I have to be thinking about easy answers, prolongation and get into another habit that I have to break. But my transformation started, look, you know, I, I completely understand the situation because 
personally, I, you know, was this guy who, right in high school, I was the top of my class. And I almost skipped my own high school graduation because I was told that I was going to speak. Came close to, if it was not from, from my school principal, I would have skipped my graduation. And when I look back on all those regrets, I just decided, let somebody else worry about it. And the point I want to make is to, you know, where is the sweet spot between advocacy and getting to the point where we master ourselves and say, enough is enough. I'm going to be me and let somebody else worry about it. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was extremely powerful. And, you know, that's, uh, that's honestly partly the reason I started Proud Stutters because I was, I was fed up with people. Um, I was just fed up with, yeah, the feeling of just letting life, letting my stutter stop me from doing what I really wanted to do. And that's like, sharing my voice and telling helping tell stories and um you know I have a story that I've been working on around being wanting to be a broadcast journalist that I did a reading last week at a book festival around this story and it's just like it's just a message that like it's time that like for me like I'm just sick of this yeah constant overanalyzation of myself and I'm just going to tell my stories on my own terms podcasting because you literally anyone could start a podcast anyone there's no barrier there there's no gatekeeper to tell me what to do like I'm literally doing it on my own terms and it's like the most amazing feeling and I feel like you did something similar and I just want to respond to the, the thing you said about speech pathology and you know, like I've said this before, like I had a traumatic experience when I was in speech therapy, it was 20 years ago. And the reason was because yes, it was a fluency type of speech therapy, but there are speech therapists out there that it's up to their client on what they want to work on. If they want to work on a fluency, then awesome. If they want to work on just like goal setting and confidence building and speaking openly, like, that's okay. It's just, I th think there's a lot of evolution in how speech therapy has transformed. And I was, I was like that too. I was like speech therapist. Every time I thought about them, I like had this negative um, image in my brain. But as soon as I met the first speech therapist that um, kind of opened me up that there's other there's other ways to help people who stutter. Since you're bringing it up, Maya, I think it's important for me to jump in and just share that, yeah. Uh, and Bailey Levis actually covered this um, when you had him on your podcast near the end of the season. Um, but yeah, there's there's been quite a movement um, among our profession and we're little by little doing a better job of allowing speech therapy for stuttering to look a lot like talk therapy for stuttering. Um, and it's, it's, you know, we're learning to focus less on the easy onsets that Patrick was referring to and the fluency driven, driven um, results orient, fluency results oriented therapy and looking at people who stutter, who are, are living 
this day to day and looking at the lived experience and, and trying to help people consider how they want to handle speaking in different situations. And I think the, the work that we're learning to do helps people to get from whatever state they're in to where Patrick is at. You know, and, and I think one of the ways that we do this is we help people to advocate for themselves so that they can little by little create that safe space for themselves so that they can feel more capable of being more authentically themselves in different environments and more capable of speaking competently, whether it's in a public speaking classroom or, um, or a social setting or everything in between, you know. Um, and most of the, the speech language pathologists that I interact with regularly um, at the American Institute for Stuttering and colleagues elsewhere are doing therapy in a way now where it's, it's actually rare for us to start with a speech technique. Um, you know, a lot of folks are doing avoidance reduction therapy and cognitive restructuring and, and honestly sitting around talking about what it's like to stutter and how they're going to handle specific situations, um, you know, specific to like, like what Miriam, what you were saying about all of those little things that you figured out that people are actually pretty understanding if you'll just ask for a little accommodation, you know, um, that people will provide those things and little by little, you know, you learn that you can, you can feel more and more comfortable in the, in the different speaking situations that you face um, by taking on a little bit more um, in, you know, each time you face that situation. Um, I, can, I can chime in with a very brief last word that I think is like, um, you know, or like, like that is like a, um, uh, that is like a, um, uh, um, a, um, a, uh, a um a mantra to me when I'm you know kind of um getting in my head when I'm in like the middle of like a of a of a of a um a stuttering um a block or in a very you know um uh high pressure um a situation in front of people on the phone uh you um uh name it um where like you know and, and I think that that like this is very similar to what uh, Patrick brought up, but like I it's it's important as a person who um, uh, stutters if you feel like you're taking up a lot of time trying to speak or if you're taking up a lot of like um, uh, a lot of like someone's time like it's it's important to kind of stray away from that mindset and instead um, like embrace that you like um, uh, deserve other people's time. Um, you you like might need more time than others to speak, but um, you know, it's 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 the it's the time that you need in order to get to 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 um uh, communicate. Um, so you have a right to that time. that's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. 
And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the, the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you.